0: Before we jump into uh, Acts chapter 2, keep our, we have a team that is on their way uh, to Brooklyn. Uh, if you don't know this, we uh, kind of partnered with the Summit Church up in uh, over in Raleigh, Durham to uh, help plant a church in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And so uh, we've got a team on the way there now. They'll be there all week, so be praying for them uh, as they minister up there in Babylon. All right, so uh, pray for them, but Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Hey, here's what it is. When something significant happens in your life, you want to mark it and mark its significance in a symbolic or significant way. This is outside of church as well as in church. Outside of church, um, I see some boomers, I see some uh, Gen Xers here, so uh, when you turn 16, most of us had to take a driver's test. I think they switched it around, but I know when I turned 16, it was off to the, off to the state trooper, you had to take a test, you had to parallel park, that was the, that was the big deal, but man, 16 was all about getting your driver's license, right? And then maybe when you graduate, you graduate high school or college or grad school, when you walk across that platform, they take that little tassel on that dorky little hat and they'll take that tassel and they put it to the other side, signifying that you know what, you've graduated. You did something significant. You did something awesome. And even probably a bigger way, when you get engaged or when you get married, when you're gonna hand that person a ring I proposed to Lori Masters on April Fool's Day of all days (laughs) at TCU Chapel in Fort Worth, Texas. I mean, that is such a, that's such a, I mean, April 2nd would have been much better because she didn't believe me at first. I was like, would you marry me? You're joking, right? No, that wasn't in the plan. No, I'm not. But then a few months later, on August the 19th, I gave her another ring. And what that was is that was symbolic. That was a picture of the covenant that we were making uh, together. It wasn't the covenant. It wasn't the wedding. It wasn't even the engagement. What it was is it was a picture. It was a symbol. It was something significant that was done to mark something even more significant. So here it is. Today is a significant day. And it's going to be, a, it already has been a significant day for I don't know how many people at all the different locations around Western North Carolina. Because today what we've already seen and what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to do something significant based on something significant that has happened to you. And so today I'm going to ask you and invite all kinds of people all over this room uh, to put on a t-shirt like this that says, Jesus in my place and be baptized to be baptized, to signify that, you know what? I'm pushing all my chips to the table. I'm a follower of Jesus. My allegiance is with him. I've either sometime recently, maybe even way back then, I'm putting the flag at the top of the flagpole. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to do this in the back half of the service. The people you saw at the first part here, that was left over from the first service because we ran out of time. And so We don't have one on this service, all right? So last year, I think we baptized at like one o'clock. So either way, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you, if you haven't already been baptized as a believer in Jesus, to go ahead and again, cross that line today. But before we do that, I wanna show you why. Because I know, I'm sure a lot of you woke up this morning and you didn't expect to be baptized. You woke up this morning, you walked into church, and the last thing on your mind was, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get baptized today, I didn't even, my hair, I just got my hair done this week. Um, I don't wanna get wet, I got, I got a lunch reservation at 1230, all that stuff. What I wanna show you is, it is the norm in the New Testament to not be expecting to get baptized. It's the norm for you to wake up that morning, and you come to faith in Christ, and then immediately, spontaneously, you get baptized. And so uh, you're like, I I didn't bring stuff. We got all you need, bro. All right, we have all you need. We've got towels. We got hair dryers. We got shorts. We got sports bras. We got people give you massage back there. We got everything at. We got everything you could possibly need. But I'm going to offer you a chance to make the same decision that we've seen already today. I don't know how many times, and it's the decision you see in the text today as well. Acts chapter two is not only the first church, but it's also the first sermon. Uh, to the brand new church, and so in Acts two, what you see happen—it's actually a pattern you see for the rest of the book of Acts as well. And here's what it is: is you see people repent and embrace Christ, and then you see virtually immediately they follow that up with baptism. And you're like, "Why is that? Why is that important?" That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, in this case, what you're going to see today is three thousand people got baptized in one day, as a picture that they were going all the way with. Jesus. So here's the context of Acts 2. It's been about two months since Jesus was crucified on a cross and he rose from the grave. He has showed himself to many, many folks. He has commissioned his disciples to say, Go and make more disciples. He uh, has sent the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Chaos ensues. All these people are like, What is going on? What is going on? What is going on? And a, a guy named Peter, the Apostle Peter, he stands up in this commotion and he preaches a sermon. The sermon actually starts earlier in Acts chapter 2 at about verse 22. What we're going to do is we're going to study and then we're going to apply the summary of it, which starts actually in verse 36. So let's run through the verses and then we'll see what it's telling us to do and then we'll have a choice. Do I obey or do I not obey? So here it is, Acts two thirty-six. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. All right? The word Lord here is the word kurios, kurios. The, what they would say in that time is Kaiser kurios, which means what? It means Caesar is Lord. The earliest Christian confession, the confession that you're actually making when you're baptized is this, is no, it's Christos kurios, all right? Jesus is Lord. And so when he says, you'll know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now we'll get up to the you. You is plural, And you did have a specific audience, but it also had a general audience as well. Verse 37 says this, now when they heard this, this is the sermon, when they heard this, when they heard the things we're going to talk about, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's the idea of pain, conviction. It's like somebody was like, oh, that just, that kills me. That hurts. And we'll see why. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Well, here's the answer to that. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness or on the occasion of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A couple more verses. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off. Talking about, it's a global gospel. The good news is going to go everywhere. Actually, the fastest growing churches right now are not in the West, okay? They're in places like China. They're in places like Africa. And so this is a, that's a fulfillment of what he's hinting at right here. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, verse 40, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. And then here's the summary of what happened. And here's what we're gonna see here in a little while. So those who received his word, they received his word. This is the pattern that you see in the book of Acts. They believe, they receive his word, and then they're baptized. You see that over and over again. You see it in in Acts chapter 8 when Philip and the the eunuch, the gospel gets explained, he believes, and then he's baptized. Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul, he believes, and then he's baptized, You go on through the book of Acts, you see everything from a Christian businesswoman to a religious leader to a military commander. You see multitudes of unnamed people, and that's the pattern. I am believing, and then I'm being baptized. And here's the summary. So those who received his word, those 3,000, they they received his word and were baptized, and there were added that day, somebody apparently was counting, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So here's what was going on. 3,000 people decided to be baptized as followers of Jesus in one day. Again, they woke up that morning, no expectation of being baptized that day. Peter stood up. He drew a line in the sand and said, which side of the line are you on? Are you on this side of the line? Have you rejected Jesus? Are you going to step across that line and receive his word and receive Jesus? And so what they did is they embraced Jesus by faith and then immediately were baptized. So here's what I want to do for about 25 minutes. I'm going to try to explain what Peter said. I'm going to try to explain how they responded 2,000 years ago, which has been the pattern for the last 2,000 years, and how people no more than 20 minutes ago responded, and then how I'm going to ask you to respond today depending on what your situation is. So we got to kind of understand the two big aspects of this. Here's the first one. The first thing is you have to make a personal what you see here in the text is they made a personal commitment to Jesus. There's going to be a personal side of this story and there's a public side of this story. The personal side is I've got to make a commitment, I've got to make a commitment to Jesus. Verse 37 says, "When they heard this." And this again, go back 20 verses. There were things like, "You know what? You're the one that crucified him. You're the one that put him on the cross." You're the one that you thought was somebody else, but he wasn't, he was the Messiah, and God proved it by raising him from the dead. So there's really two things I want you to notice that cut him to the heart. First one is this, it's who Jesus really was. It's who Jesus really was. Because we think it's kind of a modern day deal, but even 2,000 years ago, there were varying opinions on who Jesus was. There was all these arguments. Some people thought, hey, you know, he was a good teacher. Other people thought, well, he was a prophet. Other people desperately desired that he would be like that political savior that came in and kicked the Romans out. And what Peter is saying here is he's not that. He's not that. He's not some great teacher. He's not some just rabbi you want to put in a box. He's not somebody you just have an addendum. It says God raised him from the dead and proved he wasn't like anybody else. He was the Lord God of heaven and earth. When he says Lord there, it means boss or the Old Testament equivalent of Jehovah, which means the creator God. And all the time, sometimes you'll see around Easter, around Christmas, like, well, Jesus never said he was God. Gee, that's baloney. He does. He doesn't say it necessarily in our language all the time. But just think about what Jesus claimed about himself. Jesus himself, he forgave people's sin. That actually is what eventually got him crucified because the Jews said, that's blasphemous. Nobody can forgive sin but God alone. He's like, well, you said it. He said it. He demanded people worship him. He said, you know what? If you don't worship me, these rocks... These rocks are gonna cry out for me. When you see the, what he demanded of the people who said, I'm gonna be a Christ follower. He demanded that we actually love him more than we love our mom, more than we love our dad, more than we love our kids, more than we love, more than we love our spouse. He demands that from his followers and people are like, Jesus, we like you and all, but you gotta be quiet about all this God stuff, all this Lord stuff, all this Kuria stuff. You gotta be quiet about that. And he wasn't gonna be quiet, and so they crucified him for it. And um, we need to do that because we need to understand that is the line that Jesus puts in your life and my life. The word Christian literally means Christ's ones. As I said a few minutes ago, the cry of the early church was, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Christos kurios, Jesus is Lord. And they had to go against the saying that day, again, which was Caesar is Lord. They're like, no, Christ is Lord, Christ is Lord. And what they had to confess 2,000 years ago, you and I have to confess today. And you and I have to commit to today. Um, and I know it's pretty popular, it's a real popular deal to say he's a lot of different things, but i tell you what, there's a very famous interview by the U2 YouTube, uh, YouTube, YouTube lead singer, uh, Bono, and he is being interviewed by a French journalist, who is basically talking. and Bono's like, "No, he's the son of God." And this this French music journalist is like, "What? What? What? I mean, how do you say that? Let me read you part of this interview. It's pretty cool. This guy named Mitchka, who's the interviewer, he says Christ has his rank among the world's great thinkers, sure, but son of God, isn't that a little far fetched?" He's asking this of Bono. So here's what Bono said. I'm going to go read it its entirety. He said, "No." it's not far-fetched to me. He says, look, the secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet, obviously an interesting guy, had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, like Elijah, Muhammad, Buddha, or Confucius. But actually, Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you off the hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher, don't call me teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, I'm saying I'm the Messiah. I'm saying I am God incarnate. And people say, no, no, please just be a prophet. A prophet we can take. You're a bit eccentric, but we've had John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey. We can handle that. But don't mention the M word, talking about the Messiah. Don't mention the Messiah word. Because you know we're gonna we're gonna have to crucify you. And he goes, No, no. I know you're expecting me to come back with an army and set you free from all of these creeps, but actually I am the Messiah. And Bono says, at this point, everyone starts to stare at their shoes and say, oh my God, he's going to keep saying this. So what you're left with is either Christ was who he said he was, the Messiah, or a complete nutcase. I mean, we're talking nutcase on the level of Charles Manson. He says, I'm not joking. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half of the globe could have its faith changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, he said, for me, that is far-fetched. And all Bono was doing was plagiarizing what Peter said. Peter said, listen, you wanted to put him in this pigeonhole, you wanted to put him in this box, but he doesn't allow that to happen. He doesn't allow that you wanted to redefine him. And he says, don't redefine me. You can't put me in this box. And that's why in verse 36 is, he says, listen, and God raised him from the dead, proving that he was, he was Lord and he was Christ. And, uh, I was sitting there thinking, it was like uh, a couple weeks ago, I went in the, uh, the ATM ate my card. And so, uh, I, I went in there and I was like, ATM ate my card. And you're kind of flustered because you're like, hey, my card, what am I going to do? Somebody's out there probably using it or something. And, and uh, so I go in there and there's a line in the bank. And I mean, there's a line, but then there was a line. And the line is basically, it's, it's like, stay behind this line until you're called up to a teller. And when you're kind of flustered, you're like, oh, gotta... <laughs> and all it was is this line. And the line was crystal clear. Behind this line, you are waiting. Over that line, you were with the teller. That to say, Christ puts a clear line there for you and I to make the choice, not to be ambiguous, not to make him kind of a vague teacher who we try to help and it's good for our kids and we sort of try to follow Christian teachings. That's not what he says. He says there's only two sides of the line. You've either surrendered to him or you have rejected him. I got to ask you, which side of that line are you on? Which side of that line are you on now? which side of that line do you want to be on? You're like, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've kind of gone to church some growing up and, you know, wasn't sure. And I put a stick in the fire back when I, you know, I was 12 and everybody else did. I'm not really sure. Nothing really changed. I don't really, I don't really have a story. Please hear me on this. Please hear me. Do not roll the dice on this, man. Don't roll the dice thinking, well, maybe I have, maybe I had, and I hope I have. You know, I get to have and I'm like, man, I thought I had, but you were mistaken. You cannot, I'm not saying you got to know the date and I'm not saying you got to know the exact time. All I'm saying is there's no place in the New Testament where somebody actually has an encounter with Jesus Christ, the son of God. And it's like, well, I'm not sure I met him or not. I'm not sure I met him or not. It's like, you know, you don't get run over by the freight train of God's grace and then get up, dust yourself off and go like nothing ever happened. So the question is this, is has there been a time where you were on one side of the line and you you actually made a personal commitment to Christ and you stepped across that line? And said, you know what, right now, you might be 12, you might be 30, you might be 90, but has there been a time when you said, you know what, I am stepping across that line? And that's what some of you need to do today. It's not about baptism first and foremost, it's about belief. Do I believe? Have I stepped across that line? And if you're like, man, I, I want to, I, I don't think I am, or I'm not sure I have, then right now, before we even talk about baptism, right now, your eyes can be open, your head can be up, okay? You don't have to close your eyes to talk to God. Right now, as you sit in church, your head is up, your eyes are open. But if you're like, man, I want to be on that other side of the line, I want to know what it's like, because I understand he's given me a choice. He's inviting me, he's exhorting me, hey, step across the line, how do I do that? The first thing you gotta do is admit. Let's just, let's just call it A and B. A, I gotta admit that I'm a sinner. I gotta admit I've broken God's law, all right? You're not that awesome guy that's like, you don't compare yourself to other people. I'm better than some people. I'm better than some people in your church. That is true, but that's not the point. The point is how do you compare to a holy sinless son of God and you don't match up real well? And so you admit, you know what? I admit, I've broken your law. I've done my own thing. I've been worshiping at the altar of my own self. And then you repent, you turn, you change, and you believe. Now you gotta understand repentance and belief are two sides of the same coin. You might be here and sometime here in Western North Carolina, you got some, you know, we got different things going on. We got the drum circle, we got all that stuff, and you see some stuff, don't you? I and mean, some of you have seen that. You've seen some people like, they got a sign, and it's like, repent for the end is near. And you're like, that guy's crazy. Now listen, repentance, that guy didn't invent repentance. The Bible's story is repentance. You know what Jesus' favorite sermon was? You know what his first sermon was? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Repentance means I'm changing direction. I was going this way, and I'm changing my mind about who Jesus is, and I'm embracing him. By faith, I'm believing. What does that mean? That means when I look and see what Jesus did on the cross for me, I look there and I say, you know what? That counted for me somehow. Somehow, way, that counted for me. And so I'm going to receive the gift of what Jesus is offering me today. And just tell him, tell him right there in your own heart, say, you know what, what he did on the cross counted for me. Because it's not just about who Jesus is, it's about who you are. You gotta understand who you are. Did you notice when he said, you crucified him? Now, the grammatically, that was plural. And so to some degree, he was talking to that audience But some of the people in the audience weren't there at the crucifixion two months before that. And so in some ways, he's talking globally because you see it in the next verse where he says, this is for you, your children, and for people far off. So it's a global gospel. The question is not, is it a global gospel? The question is, is it a personal gospel to you? Is it gone from Jesus died for the sins of the world to Jesus died for my sins? Is it gone from Jesus died for my sins to it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. Because if all it is is Jesus died for the sins and I, I, I agree with that message, but you've never personally put that in your own life, then you don't have a story. Peter had a story. Peter had a story. You know what Peter's story was? Peter followed Jesus for three years. Jesus getting a head beat in. He's getting beaten up. He's getting tortured. Hours before that, he had looked at Peter and said, you know what, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no way, no way. Everybody else will, but I won't. Well, Jesus is never wrong. So sure enough, hours later, the third time Peter denies him, there's a place where he's probably from here, maybe to uh, like the bleacher seats back over here, from that far. Jesus is getting drugged to a different kangaroo court. Peter's over there. He denies him three times. The rooster crows, and one of the texts says that they, their eyes met. Can you imagine that? You just say, I don't know him. You look there and you see your bloody savior, who you've said, you've just said, I never will deny you. And you know what, his response was very much like the response here in this story. This story says that they were pierced in their heart. That story says that, you know what, he went out and he wept bitterly. That's conviction. That's the sense that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. And loved ones, if you don't understand that the story of this book is really can be summed up in one word and that is substitution. Substitution. It didn't, it's not just that Jesus died for you. It's you've got to understand Jesus died instead of me. Instead of me. It was my pride. It was my sexual sin. It was my abuse. It was my whatever. That's, he died for that. It was my sin that put him on the cross. Has that happened? Just as, as you're sitting in church, has that happened? Because they ask the question, what shall we do? And that's where he says, you will repent and be baptized. Repent repent and that's clear for us that you know what we don't follow jesus like we follow somebody on social media correct i mean you follow about somebody on twitter or instagram or whatever there's so many choices all right if you're scrolling down your feed and you see something dumb you just keep scrolling just keep scrolling just keep scrolling or if somebody gets real personal and starts adding you and you're like i don't like what they're saying you can just i'm blocking you i'm blocking you that's not the way you follow jesus when we repent, what we're saying is, you know what? Where he and I disagree, he's right, I'm wrong, and by God's grace, I will change. That's what lordship is. And so uh, just one more illustration. Here's, here's another way to, when I was in high school, or probably actually, I mean, I remember seeing this on T-shirts, and I thought, I even even as a lost kid, I thought this was cheesy. If you have it on your car, God bless you. And here's, here's what it, here's, here's what, it, dumb bumper sticker, as we've talked about before, is Jesus is my co-pilot. Can we just, for once and for all, do not put that on your car. That's dumb. That's bad theology. If Jesus is your co-pilot, somebody's in the wrong seat, okay? He doesn't want to be in the passenger side where he's like, hey, you know what? You might, let me just give you a suggestion. <laughs> There's, Jesus is not into suggestions, okay? He's not in suggestions. If Jesus is your co-pilot, he wants you to get out of the driver's seat, come over, let him get in the driver's seat, and ask Jesus, where do you want to go? Where do you want us to go? I stole your car. I'm giving it back. Where do you want us to go? And so the question again is this. When it comes to lordship, when it comes to have you ever actually turned and said, you know what, I admit, I'm a sinner. I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. Then right now in church, before we get to this in just a second, just say that head up, just in your heart, just say, God, God, that's resonating with me. I can't believe that it was my sin and my shame and my selfishness and my, that put you on the cross that I was so bad it killed the Son of God, and yet so loved you chose to be killed for me. Because right after that, right after he says that, right after he says that, he goes from making a personal commitment to this, to going public, to going public, to making a public confession of Jesus. Now, verse 41, look at how it's look at how it's stated. So those who received his word, that's a personal commitment to Jesus. I receive him. I embrace him. They're receiving what Peter's just said. So those who received his word, belief, were baptized, were then baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And here's what I want you to understand is that day, that day could be this day for you. That day back there where 3,000 people are like, you know what? I believe and then I'm going to get baptized. This day could be that day for you. And when you look at this story, that day marked a turning point in their life where they said, I'm crossing the line. I'm raising the flag to the top of the flagpole. So let me talk about baptism for a second. Baptism is one of two ordinances that God gave his disciples to remember. Number one is the Lord's Supper, and number two is baptism. Now, I know baptism has a lot of confusion for a variety of reasons, but the word baptism you see there is actually really for some political reasons way back in the day. They didn't translate that word because they were afraid they'd offend. That's a different story. They're afraid they'd offend. So they just transliterate it, which means basically taking the Greek letter and bringing it down and giving the corresponding English letter. And so what you see there is a transliterated word, baptizo, baptizo is actually a word that was used not just in the Bible and not just in the church, it was used outside the church. It using common everyday culture. For example, there was a guy named Josephus. He was like a first century Jewish historian. Uh, he wrote a cookbook. I guess Jewish historians weren't super busy back then, so he's like, hey, I want to write a cookbook. He wrote a cookbook, and in the cookbook, he uses this word when he talks about how do you make pickles, okay? You take a cucumber, and he says you take a cucumber and you baptize it. He's used baptizo. You baptizo it into the vinegar, and it becomes a pickle, okay? All the word means is the dip, To dunk, to submerge, can mean to drown. Promise we won't drown you, okay? But it means to dip or dunk or submerge. It's a picture of going into the water and coming out. It's a picture of the old you going into the water and the new you coming out. It's a picture of the fact that, you know what? Jesus was dead and buried and he rose from the grave. So you're painting a picture, you're preaching a sermon all the time when you were getting baptized. What you're saying is, the most significant thing that has happened to me the most significant thing that has happened to me is that Jesus saved me and I'm going to show people. And so uh, in the great commission, he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. So when you see somebody being baptized, that's how they're baptized. All right. They're not baptized into any other name, but being baptized to saying, I'm now, my allegiance is now with Jesus. That's who my allegiance is with. I might have other allegiances in my life, but my top priority is with, is with Jesus. And so think about it this way. Let me go back to the first uh, illustration. Uh, This is actually not the wedding ring that Lori gave me uh, 30 years ago, Uh, but it's, it's symbolic of that. And so I've got this wedding ring on to say, you know what, I am proud that I am married to Lori Lynn Frank. I'm proud of that, okay? I'm proud of it. If you're married, you got a wedding ring on. You're like, I'm proud of it. If I take the wedding ring off, if I take it off, I still am in covenant. I'm still married. If you're like, yeah, yeah, dude, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really wear my wedding ring. Well, that's a conversation you probably need to have with your spouse. But I'm just saying, even if you take that wedding ring off, if I took it off right now and gave it to somebody, I'd still be married. If you somehow came in here and stole this from me and you put it on your finger, guess what, bro? You're not married to my wife. All right? Get your own wife. I got a great wife. You get your own. I'm saying, I, this would be, this is a picture of my covenant that I have with my wife. In the same way, when you get baptized, what you're saying is this is symbolic of what Jesus has done. So let's get down to brass tacks. Here's basically the three or four groups that we're talking about today. Number one, some of you, you know what, you're, you're, you're all of about eight minutes old in the Lord. Some of you, eight, 10 minutes ago, didn't know exactly what you were doing, but you're like, man, it's best I know I'm crossing that line. I'm stepping over there. I'm giving my life to Christ. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to find a book in the Bible, but I'm taking that first time commitment to Christ. That's, uh, that's what some of you did. And you know what? It's a, it's about that. And your first step of obedience before you do anything else, your first step of obedience is actually to, uh, to get baptized. That includes people. Some of you actually have been in the church here for maybe your whole life. And, uh, Others of you, this is the first time you've been in church in a long, 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 long time. Either way, first step of obedience is, man, I'm going to get baptized as an expression that I'm going all in with Jesus. Second group. Second group are those people you've made a decision sometime in your past. You made a decision sometime in your past, but now when you, you either, A, never followed up with believer's baptism, just didn't for whatever reason, you didn't do it. Or what happens is maybe you're like, man, I, I, you know, I kind of prayed a prayer or I walked an aisle at camp or something happened. But as I look back, you know what I did there when I was 13, you know, it really wasn't until I was 16 or 20 or 25 until I really gave my life to Christ. And what you see in the Bible is every single time is called believer's baptism. Believer's baptism means a believer who has received the word, embraced Christ, then what they do as an act of a disciple is say, you know what, that's what I'm doing, that's what I'm doing. And so for some of you, let's be honest, some of you have just been putting it off. All right, some of you all even been to the starting point class, you're like, I need to get baptized, I know I need to get baptized. It's whatever, you know, it's like, man, call her ID, it's the pastor again. I can't, not, and it's like, today's the day. Today's the day. You're like, how come I'm not, how come I'm lethargic in my walk, and how come things aren't what they used to be? Could it be possibly that this simple step of obedience to be baptized It's simple. It's not complicated. It's not even hard. But partial obedience, partial obedience is disobedience. If you're saying Jesus is Lord, what that means by definition is I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do by definition. So let me try to anticipate a few reasons why you haven't and then try to exhort you to let's, let's nail this thing today. Let's make today be a spiritual catalyst for your life like never before. So here's a, few, here's a few reasons. Number one, you say, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I understand that, but this is not about head knowledge. This is not a sword drill. This is not a Bible drill where you gotta know a bunch of stuff. Baptism is not something you do right before you die when you've learned all this stuff. It's not a right you do, hey, he's, he's 99, he's about to die, let's baptize him. That's not it. It's the very first act of a disciple, very first one. You don't have to know a bunch of stuff. All you've really gotta know is, you know what, have you embraced Christ as Lord and as your savior? That's all you need to know. Baptism symbolizes, he's my Lord, I do what he says. Others of you are like, well, I don't have extra clothes. As I said earlier, we got everything, we got everything. We got T-shirts, we got shorts, we got blow dryers, we got towels, we got all that stuff. Some of you are like, I got baptized as a child. Let's talk about that for a second. And just so you know, I'm with you. I got Christian when I was six months old. What your parents did for you was so good. It really was. You ought to appreciate that. It was, it was really great, because here's what, whether they knew it or not, what they basically were saying is, we want to partner with the church and the Holy Spirit so that we would raise a child in such a way as that one day they would come to know Jesus Christ is Lord. You're not, stiff-arming, you're not stiff-arming their faith. In some ways, you're just ratifying their faith. But if you're a Christ follower, and you're like, man, Jesus told me to do it, I don't really have a choice. There's 27 episodes of baptizing in the book of Acts, 27. All 27 were people who would be able to make a volitional decision to be a follower of Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, maybe you were different. When I was six months old, I didn't make many volitional decisions, okay? I just didn't. I, didn't make, I, I, I pooped and ate. That's about all I did. I certainly didn't understand about sin. I didn't understand about substitution. I didn't understand any of that stuff. And so when I was 17, I came to Christ. And then I was like 20 years old before I ever even learned about baptism. And I had to get over a lot of my pride to think, man, what will people think? I've been leading the Bible study now for three years. What will people think? And finally, it's like, dude, I'm teaching these people to do what the Bible says, and here I am, clearly seeing what the Bible says, and so I did it. And it was a great, it was a great deal. Uh, it's a great deal. And again, let me say again, maybe you were like, maybe you were like 15 when you were baptized, but you know, you've come to sense realize, man, I, I didn't know Christ when I was baptized, and today's the day to nail that down. Let me give you a few more real quickly. Uh, you're like, uh, well, my family and my friends are not here. My family and my friends are not here, and I want them to be here listen, this is too important for you to go, I'm going to wait until Uncle John gets here at Easter, okay? We're going to take an awesome picture of you. Awesome picture. We'll even like glossy it up, okay? You'll look better in the picture than you really look, all right? You look so awesome, and we'll give that picture, and we'll send that picture to you, and it'll be a great deal, okay? The service will be online where they can be like, hey, we saw Susie baptized. That's awesome. Others of you are like, uh, well, I rode with some people. I rode with some people, and you know, I'm not, sure they're, I'm not sure they're going to wait for me. Okay. Let's just, let's settle that one. Okay. Is there anybody here, somebody rode with you that if they chose to get baptized today, raise your hand. If you're like, I'm not going to wait for them, Raise your hand. <laughs> raise your hand. Okay. Cause if you raise your hand that we take that as an indication, you need to get baptized. Okay. So we'll <laughs> baptize you as well. So they will wait for you. I promise We've even front-loaded the first part so there's extra time in the back. You're, gonna, you're not going to get out necessarily super late. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. We'll see what happens. Other people are like, well, man, I'm scared to death. I mean, you're going to see a video here in a second. People are like, man, I was so scared to death. I didn't know all those people. And uh, I want somebody to come with me. All right, listen to me. Hey, Christian, if you brought somebody, and you, you, possibly during this thing, he's like, man, I'll go with you if you want to. I'll go with you. I'll be over there cheering you on. I'll be over there cheering you on. Just put a tug them on them. Hey, if you want to go, you're nervous. I'll go. I'll go down there with you. That'd be an awesome ministry for you to have. Um, let me give you one more. And this is not to me. This is not to make Be too sassy, but it kind of is. Sometimes people are like, "Man, it's just inconvenient for me. It's inconvenient." I mean, I, I, got, I got a nice dress on. These kind of these jeans, man. I'm kind of walking with some swag, and I, and I like it. And I don't really want to get them wet. And okay, um, I'm not cheating. I'm not trying to cheat here. But Jesus, Jesus hung naked on a cross in front of men, being rejected and spit upon and insulted and then bearing all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your wicked motives, all of our rebellion, he, he bore that on himself, and all he's asking you to do here is to get in a pool of some warm water with about 1,500 people, like, yeah, awesome. It's like graduation in high school. It's like, that's awesome, Billy. It's that's, all, that's what he's asking you to do. And if you, ah, It's kind of inconvenient. You might want to go back to like Roman numeral one. Have I really made a personal commitment to Jesus? If in fact, I won't make a simple step of obedience to begin with, or do I really understand what lordship's all about anyway? So here's, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna show you a brief video. This video is actually for people who last year were sitting just where you are, okay? They were sitting there where you are wrestling with this, and should I, should I not? We've got a handful of people that have already decided I'm gonna get baptized, and you'll see them here in a second, and I'll explain that. But uh, what I'm gonna do is, at the video will do it. They'll encourage you. I'm gonna come up here. And then I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And we, again, you've got a couple of worship songs. And when you are singing the worship songs, um, I'm going to ask you to then go to uh, here. You've got a baptism banner right over there. You've got a baptism banner right over there. And if you're like, man, I've got to drive this down today. Again, we've got everything you need. You're just going to get up. There'll be some counselors that will also be going. And they'll be getting up. They'll be going to the wall. All i got to do is go over there and go, you know what? I think God wants me to be baptized today. And they will take care of Everything. Everything. And then you come out here, we'll baptize you, people will cheer, picture taken, it'll be awesome. And the reason I'm saying that is listen, this is for so this is a defining moment for some of you. It's it's a defining moment in your life where God will begin to work in a brand new, a brand new way, a moment that and literally can reshape your life in some ways. Literally. And so um, again, video, we come back out here, everybody will stand. Got a couple of great worship songs. There'll be a few people that'll already been scheduled to be baptized, but for many, many of us, this is this day is that day that's been on that calendar a long time. And all you want to do, you hear these people. We stand up, people are singing you immediately. Don't wait for somebody else. If somebody's beside you, you brought, say, hey, I'll go with you. Would love to go with you. And uh what I'm, gonna do. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna see a video. And by the way, if you're like, well, I'm gonna sneak out during the video, or I'm gonna sneak out during the singing. We got people stationed over there that, because so, what we want to do is, like, well, if somebody leaves early, that means they want to get baptized too. So just realize that's just kind of what's going on today. All right. So Father, our prayer is the next next couple of minutes, uh, you would encourage us through the testimony of some brothers and sisters. Got to pray you would convict us from the testimony two thousand years ago, when a guy that had failed miserably like Peter, he stood up and said, "Listen, this is the Christ, the Son of God. God raised him from the dead." And then it pierced hearts, and our prayer is today that just for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the testimony, for the testimony of the saints, that uh, today will be a great day where we drive that stake down and say, you know what, I'm going public with my faith in Jesus. No more excuses, no more regrets, no more putting it off. Today is the day. And we'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.